0: Yeah, Stan mentioned that I had talked about four prayers that will change your life, and I've kind of changed it to four prayers that can change your life. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess it springs out of some of this idea that often we hear things titled, you know, this will change your life, or "Or here is the key to the Christian life. You know, And don't we all want that key that just unlocks everything in the Christian life? And uh, years ago, there was a book by Dallas Willard, and in the back of the book, uh, Spirit of the Disciplines, and in the back there was an appendix, but he had just this example that was so helpful to me uh, about the idea there's not one key to the Christian life. He was mentioning the WWJD, what would Jesus do? And there was, at the time, people were saying, you know, yeah, if you will just, whenever you face an important decision, just say, okay, what would Jesus do in this situation, and then do it. And your life will just be radically changed. And there's a lot of truth to that. But he pointed out a, a problem with that is so, say you're in Kelly's situation, you know you need to forgive your dad. And you in that situation say, so What would Jesus do? And we say, Well, he would forgive, he would forgive. But we realize, oh, I don't, I don't have the power to forgive. How am I gonna do that? And and Dallas Willard pointed out that. It's this idea of just doing what Jesus would do when you get to critical moments. He said, no, it's, it's at every moment of our life. that, That's the only way. At every moment of our life, we say, what would Jesus be doing? We take on his whole training regimen, whole, the whole lifestyle of Jesus. That's how we can do what he wants us to do. And he, uh, Dallas Ward gave a few examples. And one that related to me, I thought, oh, it's like when I was a kid, I grew up in Cincinnati in the in the seventies and if you're a baseball fan, the Cincinnati Reds were really good. They had Tony Perez, Joe Morgan, Johnny Bench, these great players. I'd listen to the radio. I can't stand to listen to baseball on the on the radio anymore. Uh, but, but then I used to love it because they were so good. And one guy, Joe Morgan, was a second baseman and he was a left hander, and when he batted, he would do this with his his arm. He'd go boom boom and then he'd hit a home run or something. Well, in my backyard, we couldn't play right-handed because we could hit the ball really far. But if we played, we played a game called lob lefty. You lob the ball in, then you had to hit opposite-handed. So whenever we got up the plate, of course, we all would pump our arm like Joe Morgan. Because our thinking was, yeah, if I pump my arm like Joe Morgan, I'm going to hit home runs like Joe Morgan, right? That kind of makes sense. I I believed it because that was part of why I did it. Uh, But we realized how foolish that is. Are we really going to be able to hit home runs and be like Joe Morgan if we do this one thing he does? No, the only way we're going to be a great baseball player like Joe Morgan is every day take hours of batting practice. Every day, hours fielding ground balls and throwing them to first base and practicing doing double plays. It's only if we take on the whole training regimen of Joe Morgan that we're going to be able to play like him. Or it could be like, sometimes we wear Air Jordan shoes and play basketball, and we just think, man, these shoes are going to make a difference. I'm going to play more like Michael Jordan. No, no, that's ridiculous. You're not going to play more like Michael Jordan. You might look a little bit more like him, but you're going to have the same old bad shots you had before. If you want to be like Michael Jordan, then you need to, from a young age, begin training like he did, spend all the hours in the gym that, that he did. And the same thing, if we want to become like Jesus, well, we need to adopt his whole lifestyle. And that may seem overwhelming. And so I hope today will be helpful to say, here's four prayers that have been very helpful in my life in, in adopting more of the, the lifestyle of, of Jesus and living more as he did. And uh, I hope that you'll, you'll, you'll find them helpful in adopting the whole lifestyle of jesus the first prayer is one i learned from paul i don't know where he learned it from but i heard him saying it to somebody he said have you ever said the prayer good morning lord and you know this is that's a powerful prayer now this is different this is not a prayer like if you're going to work and you pass by your coworker and you say hey joe good morning and then you go on with your day. Now, that's not what we want to do with God. We don't just say, hey, good morning, God, and then we start living our life apart from him. I I was thinking it would be more like, uh, I was thinking on our honeymoon. All right, Helen and I wake up the next morning, and we've got a day of activities planned, and we were, it's called the Alabama Hills out by Mount Whitney. And uh, I just remember reaching her hand and saying, good morning, honey. And the sense was, wow, we've got a great, Day of adventure ahead of us, and I'm I'm looking forward to it, to sharing it with you. That's what I kind of mean by good morning, Lord. Uh, I thought recently in the book The Heavenly Man about a guy in China. He was talking about he taught his child every morning when he got up, said get up on your knees and and pray to God before you get out of bed. It's this idea of of we want to start our day and spend our whole day with God. A verse that comes to mind, there's, in Genesis it said, Noah walked with God. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's the idea that wherever Noah went, he went where God was going. He brought God with him. So if we, we sometimes use that phrase as Christians. How's your walk with God going? Well, what we mean is, are you, are you bringing him with you? Are you going the places he's going? It's as if your whole day, when you go to work, when you go to class, God is right there with you. And we try to teach this to our kids and say, when we pray for them before they take a test, we say, well, if you can't remember an answer, pray and ask God to help you remember it. If you do remember an answer and you're doing good, praise God. You know, just send up a quick prayer and say, thank you, God. And as you're studying, um, if you're having a hard time getting a concept, pray and ask God, God, help me get this. And that God wants to be part of our whole lives and He gets pleasure when we are in fellowship with him throughout our whole life so that's why i I love this idea of beginning our day with good morning lord for me sometimes i'll get about noontime and i'll realize wow i said good morning lord but i haven't thought of god once since then it seems like so sometimes i'll say oh god i'm sorry i really do want to walk with you include you in all of my life and so i'll say good afternoon lord let's start it now Uh, so you may need to change this prayer to make it work for you if you find you've forgotten god say oh okay god i'm sorry Let, i really do want to walk with you today i'm excited about this adventure that we're on i don't know what's ahead but i want to go through it with you and i can only do do it by going through with you so that's one very powerful prayer the second one is lord you know i've been feeling like you now it's a little bit hard to understand till we look at some of these verses This has been a really powerful thing in my life this past year, but I I forget to do this and recently I, I forgot to do this. But let's look. It's amazing when we look at the Psalms at some of the things that the psalmist, the writers of these songs said. In Psalm 42, it says, Vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Isn't it interesting what he said? What does he say to God? God, why have you rejected me? Okay? You read a prayer like that and think, wow, what if like Pastor Paul got up one day and started his prayer? Lord, why have you rejected me? Everybody would be like, what? You're not supposed to pray like that. But it's in the Bible. But we see, as soon as the psalmist prays something like that, God, why have you rejected me? then a lightning bolt from heaven comes down and wipes them out, right? God judges them. Don't, don't talk to me like that, is what our Heavenly Father says, right? No. And what happens, is so interesting to me, is by the end of the psalm, he's, he's talking to his soul, and he says, Put your hope in God. I will yet praise him. You can see his faith is returning. He's gone from feeling like God has totally rejected him, but through this process of just openly sharing his feelings, he comes back to this place where he's regaining his faith. And I think this is really important, that we should be honest with God. What we often do, though, is maybe we feel like God's rejected us, but we don't say it. It's in our heart. And so what we do is we just ignore God. We stop talking to him. And we, we kind of, I'm going I'm gonna, to gonna hide this from God. Can we hide anything from God? No. Before we were born, it says, he knew our every day. Everything we would do before we are born, he knows. And yet, we often are foolish in thinking, oh, I'm feeling really angry toward God. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling rejected. But I'm not going to tell God about that. I don't want to talk to him about that. He already knows. It's, It's foolish to think we can hide it from him. But let's look at some of the others here here in psalm 10 what does the psalmist say why lord do you stand far off why do you hide yourself in times of trouble and then he goes on here and talks about all the things the wicked people are doing and how they're getting ahead in verse 5 his ways are always prosperous your laws are rejected by him he sneers at all his enemy he says to himself nothing will ever shake me he swears no one will ever do me harm so he's talking about all the pride of his enemy and he's saying god you, you're hiding yourself from me in times of trouble. okay? And he goes on about all the things the wicked man the wicked man here at the end says, God will never notice. God covers his face. He never sees these things I'm doing. And then he says, God, lift your hand. Don't forget us. So he, you kind of see a little movement here. He's saying, God, from why have you forgotten us to God, don't forget us. And then look what He he ends up, where he ends up at the end of this psalm. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. Here again, the psalmist, he just flatly shares out where he's at with God. But where does he end up? He ends up, you see, faith starting to well up again. If we go back, God, why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? So he's saying that's like if I said, God, this morning, where are you? God, I'm going through a really hard time right now and and I you've deserted me. God, why are you doing that? If I prayed that one morning, everybody in the audience would be, Oh, what's going on with Wade? What's well, something's wrong? Or, you know, anybody got up and said that. we as Christians, we don't pray those things, but the Bible gives us that freedom. This is what the psalmist did, and God doesn't strike them down. Instead, God is patient. I think I was thinking of this, we were talking about it at the car with my kids. If if my if I offended my daughter, did something that really hurt her feelings, and so she was really hurt and bitter toward me or angry, and she's just stopped talking with me and wouldn't come around me as a father oh i would hate that uh, if i've heard her i want her to come to me let's make things right let's talk about it get it off your chest tell me what, what i did and what you're feeling and let's work it out much more so our heavenly father's like that he he created us to be in relationship with him and so he wants us to come and like i said already he already knows what we're thinking he already knows what the, if we're mad at him he already knows that how ridiculous of us to think, oh, I'm going I'm to hide it from God. I'm not going to let him know I'm angry. Well, he already knows. So it's ridiculous if we think about that. We need to remember, and that's why I said about this prayer, Lord, you know I've been feeling like you. Now, the psalmist doesn't say that. Maybe the psalmist's prayer we would say is, God, why do you hide yourself? That's their prayer. I kind of toned it down here. But this idea that we're saying to God... We're acknowledging, oh God, you already do know this. I know I've been trying to hide this and thinking you don't know this. Lord, you know I'm angry about this. I'm or God, I am so disappointed. Or I am just stunned and dazed on what, what, why I'm sick or my, this accident that happened. Uh, I've got cancer. My mom's got cancer. God, I'm so angry or I'm so confused. Many times we, we don't talk to God about it. In fact... I've found with myself many times, I'll talk to everybody else about some situation but God. Have you ever done that in your life? I don't know why it is with us humans but, and us Christians, but that's a reality of what often happens. Talk to everybody about this situation. Oh, pray for me, or we're talking about it. Give me some counsel. But we never go to God and tell him what we're feeling, nor asking him, God, what do we do? Let, let's look at uh, another one all right in psalm 42 i say to god my rock god why have you forgotten me Have you ever said that to god it was very rare in my life then he goes on why must i go about mourning oppressed my bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me saying to me all day long where's your god why my soul are you downcast why are you so disturbed within me Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So again, just being honest with God and ending up praising him. Another interesting thing we should note here is the psalmist talks to himself. Do You notice this? He talks to his soul. Hey, my soul, why are you downcast? This is something we should do. We should talk to our soul and tell our soul the truth. No, God is in control. God is sovereign. Soul, don't be downcast. Know that that God hasn't forgotten me. We we need to speak the truth to our soul. That's not weird uh, to speak to yourself. It may seem like it, but Bible uh, says it's good. I, my daughter has a cute little pra- uh, plaque in her room. That says, "Of course, I talk to myself. Sometimes I need expert advice." <laughs> but. Of course I talk with God. Of course I talk to my soul. Of course I talk to God. I, do, I need expert advice. All right, then, look at Psalm 44. This is incredible. Yet for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake, Lord. Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? We are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and help us. Rescue us because of your unfailing love. Okay, and on this, we see again at the end, this time we don't see them fully, the faith completely welling up, but it's, it's starting. They're turning and asking for God's help and for him to rescue. But again, what, what do they say to God? God, why are you sleeping? Wake up, God. Stop snoring. Anybody ever pray to God like that? The psalmist says it's okay. It's okay to be honest with God. There are times I'm sure all of us have felt. God, I've been praying about so and so's sickness and the situation they're in, or their financial, they're gonna have to close their business if they don't get an increase in income in the next week. God, I've been praying about this for three months and nothing's happened. Are you asleep? What's going on? Do you hear my prayer? God, are you there? We all have doubts and feelings like that that come in. But we try to hide them from God. But the Bible says, no, don't hide them. God knows it already. Share your heart with God. He created you to be in relationship with him. The last thing he wants is like an he- earthly father. Don't ignore me. I want my daughter to come to me. Let's work it out. God wants you to come. He, you're his child. He wants us to come to him. And he rewards us when we do. Then lastly, Psalm 88. Lord, why do you reject me and hide your face from me? And then he goes on. This one's interesting, talks about the the the, your wrath has swept over me all day long. My enemies surround me like a flood, they've engulfed me. And then he ends with You've taken me, you've taken from me, you've taken from me friend and neighbor darkness is my closest friend okay does he end on a high note here is his faith welling up and coming back on this one no this one ends he's still struggling with god but i think it's so noteworthy god doesn't strike him down say how dare you talk to me like that you accuse me of hiding myself from you no god doesn't say that he allows him to struggle and i wanted to include this one so that we see the Bible's realistic. It's not, it's, this is not some formula. Oh, all you got to do is share with God your feelings and boom, your faith will return. No, this is a process. And this person's still in the midst of it. It's difficult. Life, life is difficult. I was just thinking this morning, there's a song, old song by Larry Norman. And it ends with, we left it oh so long ago, the garden, the garden. His meaning is the garden of eating, where there was paradise. He said, wow, we left that a long time ago. And ever since sin entered the world, life is difficult. It's messy. It's a war. We're in a spiritual battle. Yeah, of course, we're going to be battling doubt and and fighting to keep our faith. That's part of life. And a key prayer, though, is saying to God, God, I know you already know, but God, I feel like you've forgotten me. In my time of trouble, Lord it feels like you 've rejected me, it feels like you 're asleep, whatever it is, just telling our God what 's already there, what He already knows, and that begins this process of dialogue with God, where He then causes and reminds us, and something about this process, we generally end up being restored in our in our faith toward God, so these prayers are important. I also want to just mention, in Samuel, there's a person of Hannah. I love this name, Hannah. Is anybody named their child Hannah, by any chance here? Know anybody that's ever named a child Hannah? Okay. I think it's a beautiful name. The situation is, the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. Her rival, the other wife of her husband, kept provoking her to irritate her. This went on year after year. She went up to the house of the Lord every year, But when she did that, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. Well, one year, as she's praying to the Lord, Eli, the high priest, observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. But she replied, I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. What a beautiful thing. She was struck, she, her, this other wife was provoking her every year that she had a child, but Hannah didn't have any. What did she do with her bitterness? Did she hide it from God? No, she went, and she poured out her soul before the Lord. What a beautiful phrase! Whenever I think of the name Hannah, I think of that. Oh, well, that's why that'd be a great name to, I, to name a daughter, Hannah and i pray that as you grow up you will always pour out your soul to the lord whatever is in there fear praise doubt pour it out to the lord that's what god wants pour out your heart don't don't try to hide it that's just sheer foolishness for me this recently i found myself becoming very frustrated we we spent a couple years in language study then spent a year and a half in china trying to get a handicraft business started and then we spent nearly 10 years down by the Vietnam border working with a minority group and our company had appointed us as pioneer church planters. We were going to this group where um, there hadn't been foreign missionaries there for uh, almost 50 years before the uh, Chinese revolution, the communist revolution and they didn't have the scriptures in their language and we didn't know of any known Christians and we got there and we found a couple of people that had been meeting as a group, but it all fell apart. And So we spent ten years, and our company's goal is church planting movements. So small groups are churches that will uh, are done in a very simple manner so that they can be easily reproduced and start other groups that can start other groups that can start other groups, and in this way, quickly get the gospel to a whole people group. Well, we spent ten years there, and through a lot of blood, sweat, and tears... Uh, the Bowen, um, we, we saw with our teammates, we had a number of teammates that came, and we saw a couple village groups started And in the county seat town, one actual church. At one point, they appointed elders. Uh, now, though, it kind of appears that the elders aren't calling themselves elders. They don't really want to be have the title, and they're still doing some of the work. But uh, I, So they're borderline, whether we'd actually call them a small group or it's a, actually a large group, but they, whether or not they have leadership. Uh, I think to be a church, you need to have leaders. Um, so all that, we, had, we, had, we were hoping to see hundreds of churches or tens of churches in small groups. But after 10 years, uh, we saw a very, uh, you know, a couple of churches or small groups. And I realized in the last couple of years, we, Bo and Cindy came and kind of took over our work. Um, and we, our hopes were even. They were going to learn the Zhuang language and and um, go even farther, take the work even farther, and and hopefully start seeing some of this multiplication. But it's been rough going for them too. And recently, I just felt a lot of frustration. And one day, I was with uh, at this seminar, learning some skills about counseling, and there was a friend there, and uh, we were talking and. And my friend said, Well, have you talked, have you told God about your frustrations? And this talk I had just preached this message about two months before that, about pouring your heart out to God. <laughs> and so I sat there and I said, Oh, I feel like I am just the biggest hypocrite. No, I haven't. I don't know why, but no, you know, to be honest, there's times I've talked a little bit, but I really have never sat down and told God that I was I'm really frustrated as I look back that more things didn't happen. There was lots of opposition. We started lots of projects, started some medical projects, and the government cracked down on medical projects. We had doctors come, a couple come, that were going to go out and start all these projects, but then their kids had health problems, and so they had to leave and go back home. And it took years to to get everything ready to get them there. One of our key local leaders had had some previous bad experiences with other foreigners, and so he was kind of distrustful of foreigners. And at one point couple of the young guys I was working with, this main guy, told them, basically, you should stay away from the foreigners. They, it's not good to be too close to them. And so I, I noticed this. I was really having a hard time getting to know these guys. And it was really frustrating. Some of our key, one of our key workers left to take a job where he could make more money. It just seemed like one frustration after another. One step forward and two step back. Um, and I was kind of in a funk. I, I was just frustrated about all those things, and it all came up at once. And so this person said, well, have you talked to God about it? Have you told him about those? And I said, you know, I really haven't. So she said, well, why don't you do that? So then I just kind of some of the things I just said to you, I began praying and telling God. And then after we were done, she, she said, well, um, what do you think God wants? What do you think God has to say about that? Um, and she said, why don't you just listen and ask God what he wants to tell you. And so I sat there, and I, I mean, I didn't, thought, uh, well, I just got, how's this going to work? I mean, I've had impressions before, but sure enough, within about a minute of just waiting, I got this strong sense that, this impression that God was saying to me, it's okay to cry. And I immediately just began to weep out of just, over all these frustrations that I had kept bottled up inside, and I just felt like I was a little kid on my dad's lap, and he, his hand was just on me, saying, yeah, "It's okay, you can cry." Yeah, that was that was a lot of frustrations. And then after the, after I finished crying, I, I told the person, "Well, God, I think God told me that I could cry." <laughs> And I said, okay. And said, is there anything else you think God wants to say? Why don't you just listen and see if God wants to say anything else. And then God, I I waited a little bit and I had the sense that God was saying, he said, first he said, I saw everything. I saw all that you went through. And he said, thank you. Thank you for obeying me when I asked you to go to China. Thank you for obeying me when I called you to go to this rural area Uh, thank you for being my hands and my feet Uh, and it was really like a heavenly father just to his child his words just meant so much to me Um, and all those frustrations all that I just suddenly just felt so much better knowing that God reaffirmed that he saw it all and he appreciated it all Um, he didn't miss one thing um, and I knew he knew, too, where, where areas we'd done things, we could have done them a lot better, and he acknowledged that. But just, yeah, I appreciate your effort. I appreciate you trying. I appreciate you being trying to be my hands and my feet. And I, I really learned from that. Here I've been preaching about this, and I hadn't taken any of my own medicine, hadn't listened to my, my own sermons. Um, but I want to encourage you as well in areas of your life where God, where you've been not talking to God about frustrations that you have. To pour out your heart to God. To talk to him about those things. And then to wait and ask God, God, what do you want to say to me? And it's amazing. He he does speak to us. He he has uh, just the right words he's wanting to, to say to us. Or if you're counseling with someone else. Our tendency is to, to try to give the person an answer or ask, God, what do you want me to say to this person? It's so rare, though, that we'll stop and say, well, let's. why don't you just ask God? Let's quiet yourself and say, God, what do you want to say to me about this? Um, and I think we we need to do that more and that many times God will speak to us. Now, of course, it's a skill to figure out what's God's voice, what's what's something in my head that I'm thinking or... If it's Satan trying to say something, so we have to test it against Scripture. Um, and with others, they'll help us do that. And they say, well, I don't know. I don't think that's really what, that doesn't seem to me like, maybe that's just your own thoughts. Uh, let's, let's pray some more. So it is a skill, and, and we do need to test it and make sure we're, we're hearing God. But we need to give him the chance. Sometimes we're so afraid we might hear wrongly that we stop asking God to speak to us. But he does. He's our Heavenly Father. He so often will bring up a scripture or something that is just what we need. So this prayer, telling God the way it is, Lord, I feel this, or God, why have you forgotten me? I feel like you're not hearing my prayers. He won't strike you down with lightning. He'll hear you and respond. The third prayer is, Lord, thank you for this difficulty because... Now, this is not an easy prayer. This is probably the hardest one there is. But look what the Scripture says. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's God's will, that we give thanks in all circumstances. But come on. God, I have cancer. My mom has cancer. My friend is dying. You, you want me to give thanks for that? Come on, God. You've got to be kidding. He doesn't stop there. Philippians says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So not only that, but if you're anxious about something, God Wants you to pray about it. That makes sense. Okay, yeah, if i got a problem, I should talk to God about it. But he also says, with thanksgiving. Not only pray to me about this situation, but give thanks to me for this situation. Come on, God. My mom's got cancer. You, what is? Well, how can I give you thanks for that? But not only that, in James it says consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kind because you know that testing of your faith produces perseverance Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything james tells us don't just give thanks but be filled with joy consider it joyful that this trial has come that someone has had an accident there's a situation where someone's been in an accident someone has cancer We're supposed to welcome it, welcome trials like that. Why? Because James says, ultimately, they make us mature in Christ. They grow our character. I think later on here we say, God's not primarily concerned with our comfort. He's primarily concerned with our character, conforming us to the image of Christ because He he's glorified as he does that, as he makes us more and more like Christ it brings great glory to Him. So, wow, this seems so impossible. God, I'm supposed to give thanks for these things? And not only thank, but to welcome them. Seems impossible. How do we do this? I can remember uh, several times with Helen, we talked about this and we said, whenever we have some trial come, we've just got to make a commitment to be thankful. And I remember the first time we did it. I, I don't. know, It was a conflict with some. Somebody said something that was really hurtful to us. It was totally. They had uh, misjudged the the motives we did for doing something. They thought we'd done it for an, a bad reason, and really we were just trying to help them. And they got really angry about it and thought we were thought really bad toward us. And so we were really hurt. And so I remember sitting down, and I remember praying, Lord. I, thank you, thank you for this situation because, and there was a long pause, <laughs> a long pause. I thought, like, God, I don't, I've never really given thanks for, what, what is there to give thanks for here? It was a long pause. Finally I said, oh God, I realize thank you for this because it reminds me that I need you that I don't have the strength to handle this situation on my own. And God, thank you for this because I know it's easy, especially when things are going good, for me to forget about you. And this has brought Helen and I to your feet to ask for your help and has brought us to you, and that that's special. And I thank you because we can sense you're here for us. You haven't forgotten us. Um, So there are things to be thankful. And we can thank God. I know you alone in the world are able to use bad things and turn them for good, to bring good out of them. You don't wish bad on anybody, but Lord, there's evil in this world because you gave us freedom. And if you got rid of all the evil in the world, there'd be nobody here tomorrow. Um, But you've allowed it, but you're able to redeem it. You're able to use evil. So those are some of the things I say here. The goal of life is not for life to go smoothly. So many times we we have that desire. Why do we have that desire? I believe it's because we're created in God's image. And one day we are going to heaven. And there life will go smoothly. It will be paradise. We will be with the Lord. He will wipe every tear away. And every day will be amazing as we explore his new heaven and new earth. And... We come to understand God's ways. It will be amazing. And our goal for a smooth life will be fulfilled. That's why we all desire it. God has put it there. But it's not going to be satisfied in this life. But we so much often want it to be. Sometimes we think, oh, if I can just follow the Bible in just the right way, then I'll get my life to go smoothly. Uh, We're always going to have trials. I remember... Gordon McDonald talked about that. You know, in your 20s, there's these trials. 30s, he said, I'm in my 70s. I just bought a truck, and I just realized this is probably the last truck I'll ever buy. Another thing I'm struggling with is my body doesn't work like I want it to. You know, every decade of our lives has different trials. And our lives, if your goal is for life to go smoothly, you're going to be one frustrated person your whole life, okay? It's not. We're in a battle against the enemy who's trying to thwart God's plans in our lives as we try to build his kingdom and bring him glory. It's a battle. It's going to be tough. But one day, one day, it will be paradise. That's what our eyes are set on. So we want to say this. God, thank you for this difficult... Look what Paul did in 2 Corinthians. He says, we don't want you to be uninformed about the troubles we experienced... We were under great pressure beyond our ability to endure. Have you ever felt like that? Oh, God, I can't can't do this. So that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we would receive the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead, the all-powerful God who can do anything. God allowed these circumstances in Paul's life so that he would learn not to rely on himself, but upon the all-powerful God. And on him we've set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on behalf of the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayer of many. Another reason God allows these things in our life is so that others can help us. We are called the body of Christ, and the body helps us. If it's one part of the body hurting, the rest of the body helps it. And when we have, we see, it's been so beautiful to see the prayer chain when somebody's needing prayer and having some crisis in their life, everyone rallying around. And it says, as you help us by your prayers, oh, I'm sorry, let's see, there it is, as you help us, our prayers help other people, and we've seen that so many times, people's I've prayed for a need at Crossway, and God has met it. And what results? Many will give thanks on behalf for the gracious favor granted us. Many rejoice. How many times have we seen that? God answers these prayers as many rally around somebody, and it results in praise to God uh, because of what's happened. So he allows difficulties so that the body can be the body. Then with this too, one of the things I've found that's so helpful in difficulties and is, is to sing. The importance of how a song can help our, our soul so much. I had a pastor once said, what you hum, you become. And we changed it a little bit and said, when you sing like spring, truths blossom from your heart. Um, so that's a key thing in helping us get through difficulties. And It's interesting, in Corinthians, just went through it, in 14, Paul says, When you come together, each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done. Another version says, These things must be done so that the church will be built up. So singing hymns to each other. Down here in Ephesians, it says, We speak to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart. And again, always giving thanks. So these things are important and enable us to give thanks as we sing to one another, encourage one another. Interesting in Colossians 2. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Interesting how much singing is related to thankfulness. Um, it's an amazing thing. So as part of that difficulty, say say that prayer. God, thank you for this difficulty. That is so important. And it's not easy. And if you get stuck, say God just pray and ask God, God, why why what can I be thankful about here? and he'll answer you he'll show you uh, but the scriptures show us some of these things that we can be thankful for recently um, remember this verse in james basically says consider it joy when you face trials in other words later it says we're to welcome them It's this idea oh this trial is coming that's great okay our, is that our flesh that says that oh that's wonderful this accident has happened oh this person's got this sickness Praise the Lord. No, our flesh doesn't say that. Our flesh says, what? Our flesh says, God, what did I do wrong? Why are you punishing me? So many times, even though I know all these verses, something bad happens. I say, God, what did I do? Where did I mess up? Why are you punishing me? Okay. But the Bible says, no, God uses difficulties to bring good in our life. I've heard so many Christians say 95% of their Christian growth came through the difficult times in their life. And yet, whenever difficulties come, we say, God, take it away from me. Resolve it now, God. But that's what God uses for good in our lives. And we went to, uh, last Sunday night, we had our family's first rock concert together. We went to watch Switchfoot at the Greek theater. And they have a song, and I believe it's inspired um, from James. It says, hello, Hurricane, you're not enough. And he was talking about all these things that happened in his life that were so bad. But he got to be able to say, hello, Hurricane, to welcome the hurricane. Because he knew it's not enough to silence my love. Or actually, I believe it's to silence God's love. That God's going to use these difficulties for good. And... Uh, so the song's a little different, but I think this is an idea. Can you get to the place? That'd be, that's another great prayer. Maybe that's not a prayer, just a statement. Hello, Hurricane, or maybe welcome, Hurricane. God's going to use you for good in my life. Our flesh can't do that, but God, it's supernatural to give thanks in the midst of trials, sickness, cancer. Only God can do that. But he will do it. He'll bring thankfulness in our hearts. The last one is something we've already talked about. Lord, what do you want to say to me regarding whatever? Okay. So often we don't ask God what what he's doing or what he wants to say to us. Maybe we're having this conflict with this other couple and we say, God, what are you wanting to do? Or what are you doing in this situation? And then just listening. Sometimes we won't hear anything, but many times we'll get a verse or he'll give us some impression and it'll be so helpful to us. One, because it's so personal. God speaks to us in personal ways or brings a scripture that fits exactly our situation. But so often we make prayer just one way. For me, so many times I've had prayer times where I have a prayer list. Lord, I pray for my wife and Kia and Teo. Help them with this, this, and this. Help me with this. Help my mom. You know, she's got this uh, sore on her leg and she's got to go to the hospital for surgery for that and pray for these unreached people groups and Lord, I've got, we're having this conflict with this, this person over here. Lord, help us resolve that. Uh, and this thing too, amen. Now, that's like if if when I was dating Helen, if I called her up and said, Oh, Helen, I had a, well, a tough day. Uh, one of my classes, one of the students was just so unruly, and I couldn't figure out what do, what do you think I should do as far as how to control that student situation better. And then later in the afternoon, honey... I had this other appointment with this guy, and he didn't he disagreed with our plan that we were going to do, and t- totally contradicted proposed this other one what What do you think I, how should I handle that? I felt kind of mad, but what do you think I should do and then, on the way home, this guy cut me off in the car, and I had to swerve, and he, I ended up denting the right side and oh, i don 't know where to go to get that repaired. Where should I go to repair that okay i 'll see you later okay but isn 't that really how many of us pray to God? We just tell him all of our troubles. But he's a heavenly father. He, he wants to help his children. So we need to say that prayer. Lord, what do you want to say to me regarding? And the ways to do that, maybe even in uh, small groups when you're together. Someone brings up a need. Instead of just immediately someone praying for them, maybe take a few moments and say, let's just ask God if, if there's something he'd like to say about this situation. Um, you've been talking about Corinthians. I think that's where this gift of prophecy uh, comes in. So many times we we think of prophecy just predicting the future, but Wayne Grudem defines it as reporting in one's own words what God has spontaneously brought to mind. Uh, and many times in a group like that, and what and we have to check it because it's not always right. In fact, it said some people despised prophecy because people had said things that weren't of God, and it confounded people. But if we check it, oftentimes it really ministers deeply to somebody because it's so personal. It's a message right to them. Whereas the Bible doesn't always strike people in the same way, but if somebody gets uh, something special, oh, I just felt like God is saying this about this situation. And if it resonates and other people say, yeah, I believe that's God's word, it's so personal as a person. It ministers deeply. So maybe taking time in our small groups to... Uh, allow a chance for God to speak to us uh, before we we, we pray for the person. That would be one practical way. Well, to conclude, I'd just like to... I I was actually doing that this week. I'd find at different times I'd say, oh, I want to incorporate these prayers in my life. And so I wanted just to give four simple hand motions for us to look at. Okay. So good morning, Lord. I gave you the example of laying in bed and I grabbed my wife's hand like this. And say, good morning. And it's a sense of, man, we're going to have a great adventure today. Okay? That you'll think of that. Good morning, Lord. Man, I want to take you with me the whole day, Lord. This is going to be a great adventure together. So grabbing your hand like that. Then the second prayer. Lord, you know I've been feeling like. We bring our hand to our heart. And we just share our feelings. God, I'm I'm feeling like you've forgotten about me. Uh, Just telling God what's there. He already knows it's there. Good morning, Lord. God, I know you know I've been feeling. And then we want to thank the Lord. Lord, thank you for this difficulty. So maybe this way. Lord, thank you. Maybe you got a better, maybe raise your hand. Whatever works for you. Uh, Lord, thank you. I know you're gonna use this difficulty for good. Okay, and then lastly, Lord, what do you want to say to me? Let's all do that together, would you? What's the first one? Good morning, Lord. Okay. Second one, Lord, I, you know I've been feeling, okay? Lord, thank you for this difficulty, all right? And what do you want to say to me about that? Maybe I encourage you this week to think through each of these, especially that's this, the second and third one. If you can give thanks for a situation that's a trial that, and you have not yet thanked God for it, it will bring an amazing breakthrough. I, the times when we've done it, after we've been able to thank God for the situation, it just changes everything. It's just amazing. And I forgot to mention that verse that says, give, uh, uh, when you're anxious, give your request to God with thanksgiving, and then His supernatural peace He gives to us. And so often we find that after we give thanks to Him for it, He gives us this peace that's not of this world. It's just an amazing peace. And if you've got things in your life that you haven't shared with God, share it with him. He he knows what's in your heart already. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that this week you'd help us to put these prayers into use. Because, Lord, we, we know you just long for us to be your children, to come sit on your lap, to talk to you about what's going on in our lives. You just love us and delight in us. And, Lord, we just marvel at that, that you delight in us. Help us to delight in you and to come to you with every part of our life in Jesus name.